welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, everybody, this is a late-night podcast with my man, Caleb. And if you've been on Instagram in the last several days, you've seen some downright awesome videography photos and some sick edits coming out of Caleb in his camp. You dude, you're awesome. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah. It's uh when did you leave sub seven and kinda go off to did you start Copeland Creative then or no, um, I did a lot of contract work with another production company right after I left, a couple months after, and then I started Copeland Creative officially, I guess it would have been first of this year, around about like February of this year, I think, and I left sub-7 February of last year, so. Well, then I saw you in the middle. I thought you were already rolling solo when, when we were in uh, I was Al- and I was together. contracting with a company at that time. I still did stuff. Uh, it was a it was complicated. Yeah, do your own thing. Yeah, that's that's I got that I got that uh idea soon thereafter. It's such a simple recipe, man. America is awesome. All you got to do is find something that you're good at, bust your ass at it, keep going. When everyone else wants to slow down and head to the bar. It put helps. It, it helps some more time. Well, that and, and it helps knowing it helps knowing good people too. Oh, yeah. Helps having good people around. Helps getting to collaborate with people that want to succeed and that want to do well and want to push the you know push the envelope and want to continue to improve and like you put out more content than pretty much anybody's putting out. Well, you know the other thing to that is good people surround themselves with good people and i mean you work hard and you do good work and when you do that stuff people that also want that same thing they're going to gravitate towards you i mean that's that's why i did i mean 100 percent. you uh well the stuff that we did um so the kill cliff videos Mm -hmm. for those listening um when we did the i kill cliff uh, for the, kill- the for the can cl- challenge and, and the then killeritas. the killeritas, mm-hmm. none of that was even on the that none of that was even something scheduled by Killcliff mm-hmm. at all. I mean, just so everyone out there knows, literally Andy handed me a Killcliff um, after a long day in the elk timber, and I really liked it. And then uh, we ended up going down on a hunt together with uh, Andy, and then. Obviously, there were some Kill Cliffs there. You filmed some stuff in Kill Cliff mm-hmm. uh, with Baker that we were with. Yeah. And then Andy and I were kind of just hanging out with uh, the president at the time, uh, Chris, who uh, also super hard worker. I really like that guy, Chris Irwin. And then uh, we were just out hunting. And then midday, everyone's kind of taking a break, chilling out. And I said, let's go do something. And I forgot how it even came up. Somehow or another, it came up and... I just said we should, we should just shoot one of these cans and do like a fundraiser yeah, for you, the Navy you Seal said, Foundation. You I don't said, even remember how. It well, happened. you were going. You and Andy were, you know, every free second y'all had, y'all were shooting at something. You know, y'all <laughs> y'all don't y'all didn't sit around much. 
So you're like, oh, let's let's go shoot some Killcliff clans and do some cool content for those guys. And it turned into, uh, okay, let's you know pseudo competition. And then it turned into let's see how far away we can <laughs> shoot cans. And it's like, well, let's make a killerita. Y'all brought some. I think it was Tito's or something with you. Well, Tito's was for the killer text. Oh, okay, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, the killerita was had to be some Don Julio. That's or something. what it was. Yeah, <laughs> and then y'all made the killerita, and uh, I just remember Andy got a lot more Killcliff in his than you did. Yep. And uh said you had to do it again and I think the second one was off camera but um <laughs> but yeah we did yeah that was just turned into let's start shooting and it just morphed into two little content pieces for Killcliff yeah but the moral of the story is all the three of us were all wanting to just do something with our time mm -hmm. you know and you were willing you're like well let's go let's do it and then uh and then even the other thing too you did was that was the RX1 wasn't even out was it not out yet that no, was was that was, the day it, it was, was like the day it was going to be released and you're That's like i right. want to kill out the day it's released and you you came in the door and asked me like how long would it take you to put together like a one minute kill video i'm like do you have the footage you're like i can have a dropbox to you and i'm like i was like you know depending on how much crap there is i was like <laughs> less than an hour so yep. you brought it in there and you sat over my shoulder and you're like, oh, yeah, like that. I'm like, And then you then you had the idea of how can we work the bow in there? So that's when we, oh, we went, outside. Yeah, went outside and shot some that's stuff right. with the bow and inserted it in there and made your little RX-1 video. And, uh, my memory sucks so <laughs> bad. God dang. That wasn't even that long ago, though. That was what? When did we go? October? End of October last year? I wonder if it's a good thing or a bad thing. What, did your memory sucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be a good thing? I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to justify it. I'm sitting here trying to think, if your mind purges stuff out that isn't a necessity, does that l make room for doing more creative things don't the ask, next day? Don't ask my wife that question because <laughs> she says that I only remember the stuff that I want to remember. Well, that's, wh that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I think. I mean, for as many projects as we've done in the last two or three days mm -hmm. um i think if i remembered all that stuff i, I think i'd be like your computer in there right now mm -hmm. trying to buffer all that 4k you can hear footage the, you can hear the processor <laughs> running from in here yeah if smoke starts coming in this room we're gonna have to leave <laughs> because <laughs> we've got two computers in there spinning so freaking hot yeah. that we had to lay them on glass well i've been scrubbing through that footage and right before we started i was i was laughing at you because every time i click through a clip before i start recording i'd always make you clap and your giddy face every time before i'd make you clap to sync audio you have a, a different Goofy face every time. <laughs> You're gonna have to do a compile. Yeah, I was about to say I'm gonna do a a, a, a slideshow, a screen grab slideshow of all your goofy faces before every every clip. I told Caleb I s walked in a minute ago and I saw him looking at one of those and it was like paused and he was kind of laughing and I said that was my favorite part of every day. <laughs> every day I just liked. Like, I was so excited to just get to clap my hands really loud to, so yeah. he could sync audio. That yeah. was my favorite part. Yeah, well, and that you would try and see if you could clap differently every time. You'd slap your leg one time. <laughs> you'd clap above your head one time. Oh, man. Yeah, Sim good times. I feel like Simple Jack now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was a very, very packed few days. I wish we had more time. Originally, we were supposed to go have to, to come back. Yeah, for sure. You're gonna. Uh, we were supposed to go down to Oklahoma and do some filming for some different things there. And then uh, a couple things didn't make it, uh, UPS or FedEx or whatever. So I said, you know, come up here to Iowa because you wanted to see the place anyway. Mm -hmm. And I've been, 
I've been struggling to get a bunch of projects done that I've been promising everybody. The bow builds are two of them for sure. Um, and I'm so glad that you came because since we didn't do all those little short clips that I had to do for one of the companies that I work for, for, for some Amazon videos, we were able to just dive into me saying, dude, this is stuff that I've been needing to put out there mm -hmm. for information. Well, that and Sharon is like telling us which ones she needed the most. And you were just asking, <laughs> okay, which one do you need the most? Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's put that one at the top of the list because she's tired of, you know, having to answer questions over and over again. So we made some videos to make it a little simpler for some people. I don't, yeah, I think it's um, so many of the questions are the same and people get super complex on the questions they ask because I think most people assume that when you email the store, it's coming to me and it's not, it's going to one of our team members. Um, and then if there's ever one that for some reason stands out where Sharon wants me to look at it, if someone has, if there's ever like a problem, um, especially if it's something that she thinks I'm going to be, I need to be aware of mm -hmm. specifically, you know, when I put my name on stuff, I take it serious. Yeah. And I think there's people out there that'll vouch if, if they're having an issue and it's, it's something that I kind of am curious about. I'm, I'm calling them and I'm taking control of it myself. Yeah. Um, and I do want to, to handle it, but Sharon, I mean, she's, she's awesome at, at just making sure that whole thing flies and managing everyone that's out there getting stuff to people. But, there's also just some of these questions are just repetitive and I don't like one liner responses. Like she'll say, you know, can you look at this email from this guy and it'll, he'll talk all about his past and things that he struggles with and, you know, things that he's tried before. And then, you know, I'd really like to get a release, but I don't know which one. And it's easy to just say, to give like a one-line release, you know, yeah, this one one's the best, yeah. yeah, one line response. But then, then again, it's like, you know what, this is a, this is a 10 or a 20 minute question. Mm -hmm. And, you know, theoretically it's a 10 or 20 minute question. And that's what we did. We made a video that it was specific, at least in that case, um, you know, which release is right for you. We finally got the, uh, a maintenance video out for people that have already bought some of the releases and want to just do, you know, their monthly or mm -hmm. annual maintenance, uh, which is really good because as much as I wanted to just tell people how to do it, seeing how to do it is awesome. Yeah. I'm a visual person. I want to see it. Um, let's see. What did we do? We did the arrow, the arrow system. Oh yeah. Arrows. The entire arrow, the entire arrow series. We filmed an awesome video for that showing you the series showing you the difference of the arrow and the whole package why it's put together the way it is mm -hmm. the, um, new, the all the veins oh yeah the, yep. the power max the pro force and the new one that's coming out that we can't say yet oh so you jump from veins right into bows yeah yeah good we did for a you. lot and then we did the right release and then we did i think the name accidentally got out on the internet oh, but well, i yeah. wasn't gonna be the one that said it <laughs> i'm still not gonna say it <laughs> I'm not because saying i i, I and t they know that unless they say you can say it, I don't. Yeah. Like even if I see the cats out of the bag, mm -hmm. uh, which the, when the RX-1 came out, 
that actually escaped a little bit early too. I think they all do. Yeah. I remember when Halon 32 was coming out that, you know, that, that was the, one of the things that leaked out because you know, that's when I was working and doing some stuff with Lee, Lee and Tiffany and it come out on a commercial or a video and I think they all leak out some way. Yeah. Yeah. There's very few people that can actually keep, keep a, a secret. promise. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's true. Then we did, uh, we did another video on how to tie a center serving. Yep. Forgot about that uh, one. We did how to build arrows, which is actually not for us. It'll be for a series. How to fletch arrows. Yep. Series that's going to be done for Peterson's bow hunting. We also did another video on how to install uh, the inserts for mm -hmm. the new knock-on arrows. So if you buy them, you can see how to, um, you know, pretty much how to open the package and and cut them, put them together. And then I'm the going to have to listen back to this podcast, remember everything I need to edit <laughs> when I get back. <laughs> God dang! <laughs> oh man, then we did uh, some cool stuff in the field. Mm -hmm. uh, we did. Did a two-minute commercial for Hex. I shouldn't even say it's a commercial. It's just, like, I don't really do commercials. I just do testimonies. Mm -hmm. It's more or less a, you know, I'm just giving my feedback on the product. Yeah. But that's for them. And then, um, what was the other one? I don't even Oh, remember. I talked about that new, today we're mowed clover pots and I Mowed put my clean. cameras out. Yeah, stealth cams. We talked about the new, uh, there's a brand new stealth cam out that's actually in a really good price range, mm -hmm. has uh, full 1080 HD, uh, cool presets. It's got a brand new, uh, a brand new like smart um, illumination for kind of that transition time between light and, you know, sunset mm -hmm. or sunrise and dark. There's always that time where you're the, sh IR, the yeah, shadows your, and everything. Yeah, yeah, your IR photos are just like blown out mm -hmm. one way or another, and this is uh, brand new. So I need to get Ben on a podcast because he is, he is, uh, my buddy uh, Ben Smith. He is really awesome with understanding cameras and stuff. He's been with camera companies for a long time, and he really knows way more than me. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty simple. I'm like. How can I buy the most yeah. for the less, yeah, least exactly. money, but still have something that doesn't chew through batteries and is really easy to operate? Man, I remember when the first trail cameras come out and you had to run it. Was it was it all the C's or D's batteries? And they would well, chew. That's not the first. The first one I had, you used string. You what? <laughs> Dude, what? Do you not know that? <laughs> no. The what first, are you talking about? The first trail cams. We're just essentially trip wires with a with a clock on them. No it just had crap. It, it just literally like kind of like your timer that you put in your wall to uh. like let your light go on. Yeah. It was literally just a, a timer, and when so, when something walked past the trail and tripped the line, it turned the clock off. So you knew. You're serious <laughs> right now. I'm dead serious. I never knew that. That's how long ago was that? Let's see. When would that have been? First trail cameras I had ran C or 80, D batteries. Late eighties. Wow. Mm hmm. <laughs> were you were those successful? Like, did they to get actually get pictures? Well, they evolved into freaking HD cameras, homeboy. Well, I guess they did. Then. <laughs> I mean, but technology <laughs> I mean, changed then. Yeah, obviously, someone with brains. I'm. I'm I got to Google this right Cause now. Because I I ran. Yes. I, I can't remember what the camera was, but I remember it ran C or D batteries, and it would not last three weeks on like 
a giant set of batteries. Yep. And now you can put six double A's in them, and they'll run eight months on them. Yeah, those original cutty backs. It's like opening a coffin. You oh yeah, and they were that they were this big. I mean, they're huge. Yeah, I use that many batteries in my ghetto blasters back when I'd carry around cardboard and do the backspin. <laughs> <laughs> I love that picture that you posted the other day with your flat bill riding the motorcycle up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, dog. Every now and then I break out a little gem <laughs> just <laughs> just so people can know exactly how stupid I was. A I was trip a trip wire camera. What were they called? And who made them? I it was I'm sure it was I'm looking up original uh trail camera. I'm sure. I'm I'm interested. I'm beyond interested. Hold on, I'll let me see if I can if I can find the Al Ridgen Al. There's so many new ones now. Yeah. We're gonna have to have someone. Uh, someone's gonna. Ooh, oh oh oh, that might be it. No, that's not it. It's got a damn USB in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, not it. That is not it. It was literally the most primitive looking thing and yeah, you would just plug the string back into it to reset it. And so you had it. to go in there every time they tripped it. You got one picture per set. Yeah, dude. But you would know. Was it the wind up camera that you put in there? Did you put a little wind up camera in it there? It didn't take pictures in it, just the first ones only told you the time at which Oh, so there's no picture. It's just told you when the animal came through. Yes. So you didn't know what came through. Nope. No. Nope. I wish uh if we were at the farm, I would break out I would break out a um a it was like a trail video camera that I made. It's in a, it's in an old uh, pelican case. That and you came, made one. Yeah, it ca this pelican case is what some Brunton binoculars came in back in the late nineties. Yeah. And I literally cut a hole in this, cut a hole in it, put a Sony, Handycam inside there, and then bought bought some switches and a IR. Um, and literally drilled holes in the boxes, put it all in there, had a giant battery in this thing. It was like the size, it was half the size of a briefcase, but it would, once it started videoing, it would just video. And then, then I found a little processor that you could, it would turn itself off. But that's, uh, that's pretty much. I've Now I've seen some homemade trail cameras that had the old, uh, I guess it was early digital type camera or film no. camera where it would just it was in a box it was it in a little pelican a case track, dude. <laughs> this one <laughs> this one was a little more modern than that but it was one of the early ones and this was when i was working with foxworthy way back when they still had some around i'm still i gotta find this camera you just keep talking that i'm just i'm absolutely blown away so that's so you didn't even know what was there you just know something tripped you have no clue no what tripped clue. it just what time something tripped it yeah and you used these Yes. You did. Uh, what do you mean? Everyone did. I've never heard of them. Well, which I was born now. in 86, so that might be why I've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, put it this way. Why don't you give your Instagram um, out? Because someone needs to tag you in it. I bet you someone has one in their basement. I want to see it. 
I absolutely want to see it. Yes, if you have a picture of this or proof of this existing, my Instagram is at Cope Creative, C-O-P-E Creative. And you got to tag me too. Yeah. Yeah, someone posted. I bet you someone from the Knock On Nation will have this posted by tomorrow afternoon. But yeah, I can't find it. Even Damn better it. if somebody has a story of this bringing them success. I want to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I'm, any more homemade trail camera t- stories. You know I want to hear these. You know some freaking guy like my buddy Fred Gross made this thing, you, you know, fooled around with IEDs. He probably just thought, you know what, let's just make a tripwire. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't have any C4 or whatever he uses, so he's just like, let's just figure out when this thing's coming by, and then that yeah. was it. Yep, God, that's, that's that was the first ones. That is, Wow. Learn new, something new every day. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, was your first camera digital then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was barely digital, but yes, it was. I remember. I love, man, I should break out some old photos. I love taking pictures. I always have. And um, I remember I really took this pride in photos that I was taking. Mm-hmm. And I bought this, uh, I'm trying to think what kind of camera I had, but I had a a decent little camera. It was a 35 millimeter. And I was really learning like film speeds, you know, different film speeds to buy. And, you know, you you used to not be able to look at your photo. So Mm -hmm. if you went out and shot an animal and then took pictures and came home and all your photos sucked, Mm -hmm. they just suck. Yeah. And there was nothing. So, I mean, I got to the point where I was really learning to play with, you know, play with the aperture mode and mm-hmm. F-stops and different things and, you know, kind of played with different films. I'd take yeah. different films out and uh, or different speed films. And I had these photos this time. Um, I was trying to think when it was. It was in the late 90s. I was at a banquet um, or it might have been a show and I was at kind of a special t- table at dinner and at our table was Lon Lauber, who Lon was a really famous wildlife photographer mm-hmm. and, and a hunting photographer um, back in the, I would say, probably started in the early 90s. He could have been kind of in the 80s, too. I guess that would have been before my time in that world. But I went up to him, and I'm like, I said, Lon, I got some pictures that are really awesome. What do you think of these? And I showed them to him, and he's just like, you're way too big in this one. He's like, camera's too high. There's a tree growing out of your head. I mean, every picture there was a problem with it, and I thought they were gems. But, you know, back before you could look at them, they, uh, sorry, everyone, I got to, my allergies are just draining my nostrils right now. Um, Back before you had the ability to look at it, Mm -hmm. you just didn't, like, see those things you didn't see like yeah there was you're right in front of this big tree and the sun's hitting it so it just looks like this tree's growing out of your shoulders or you didn't see the shadows you know coming like the shadows of the horns like across your body and your face yeah so i just got to the point where i really really took pride in my photos and i remember going to the walmart i remember when one hour photo came out that was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that was a big deal. I'd go in with 10 or 12 rolls of film and take them to the Walmart and then get those things back and just be flipping through pictures just like you would flipping through a card file right now looking at trail photos. 
just to find one photo that, that looked, was a good one, yeah, yeah, that looked kind of cool. And the same's true back in the day um, when we shot competitive archery. You know, back when I started, you would go to a tournament, and um, there was I'm trying to think of their name. Um, gosh, I think it was Lon. I think it was like Lonnie or something. But there were people that were there, and they had a magazine called 3D Times. And each shoot, they would take pictures at the shoot, and then if you went to the next series or the next tournament, they'd have the, they'd have the books there with just literally photos, and you'd have to pay a dollar and take the picture out. Yeah. So a lot of my pictures that I have from in the 90s shooting, it's just pictures that I would buy at the booth. It's not like you were ever there taking photos. It's yeah. such a different world. Oh I, remember, um, yeah. I remember I took in... 10 rolls of film to the lady at Walmart. She was a little bit kind of weird. <laughs> Reminded me of a cat lady. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely a kind of a weird, weird cat lady kind of mixed with a Sasquatch. <laughs> and Man, bear, pig. Yeah. And she, I remember her going like, she made a comment about one of my pictures or like two of my pictures. She said like, I don't know, said like, picture 34 looks really good or something like that and i was just like i started thinking oh man you free friday night <laughs> there, there are some total wackos just checking out your stuff oh yeah can you imagine some of the pictures some of those no, walmart people have seen i'm not oh my gosh <laughs> i don't even want to know i bet because I know I've scrubbed through footage that people have sent me that they've sent me stuff that they weren't supposed to send oh, me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It has, it's happened. What was the worst? I'm not, no, I'm not on this <laughs> podcast. No, sir. I'm drinking an alpha brain, alpha brain right now. I'm so dehydrated. The sun right now is ridiculous outside. It is. Uh, we had a crazy storm the night you got here. Mm-hmm. We actually, it wasn't classified as a tornado, but they said it was equivalent to an inland hurricane that came through our town here. We actually, um, I was in town at the new HQ and the builders were in there. And as I was leaving my truck, the chief of police drove by me and he goes, he goes, what are you doing outside? He goes, 90 mile an hour winds said four minutes away. They're crashing through winter set right now. And I'm like, seriously, he goes, get home. So I just got my truck, and Sharon and Harry were here, so I started hauling butt home, and I could, you know, it was just blowing over the top of me. I could just see it. I was just waiting for a funnel to come down at any time. And then just as I was starting to pull into my driveway, this huge tree, and I don't even, I can't even imagine how high that thing would have been. It would have had to have been. It was a big tree. That thing was huge, 150 feet or better, probably. Yeah, took out the power for this whole area. Yeah, literally fell behind my truck onto the road and then as it fell uh i was turning into my driveway and the power lines fell across the hood of my truck so i was kind of freaking out about that and then threw it in reverse right away to peel out from underneath the power lines and then almost caused the freaking almost just backed into cross traffic going both ways at 65 miles an hour it could have been yeah not cool um but not cool if you've been five seconds later in the freaking tree would have hit you so it would have been not cool yeah yeah any of it wouldn't have been cool but uh no it's it's been a kind of a weird week then it got hotter than heck it's been real 
sweaty hot. We've been having to deal with the bright, bright sun with some of our filming, yeah, which is it's never fun. Not fun. What um, is there anything? Because I mean, obviously, you're you've worked with some of the best in. You've worked with Lee and Tiff. Sub Sevens worked with the vast amount of great mm -hmm. people. Obviously, you've had some some good mentors, um, which I think we talked about on a podcast in Georgia. We mm -hmm. talked about your mentor. Yeah. Um, is there anything, just based on what you've experienced here in the last few days, that kind of stands out? I mean, feedback wise, are there things that you're that you see me doing that might be different than other people or things that I should be doing you, better? You can go, you think on your feet as good as about anybody and you know, and you get really mad when you mess up, which is rare, <laughs> but you, you can hear you, you know, you know, kind of curse yourself under your breath. Like, God, that's no, that's not what I meant. That was stupid. And then you'll go on to the next thing. But usually, usually when I get, you know, when I do dialogue or get people to talk, you know, you have to really break it up and segment it into, you know, specific thoughts. But you've, you're a master of what you do and you talk about this and live and breathe this every day. So it's really easy for you to regurgitate it in a way that's palatable. And, you know, some of these videos are, you know, six, nine, 12 minutes long. And, you know, you're fairly concise and within two takes of doing stuff like that, you've got that out. And not very many people can do that. But not many people are as immersed in a subject like this as you are, you know. But that was different for me. That was different for me to listen in a long form. And I know you asked me a couple of times, you know, whether, you know, what I thought, you know, whether or not I thought that was a good one or did I mess up any. And it was, I'm not used to listening to dialogue that long, you know, <laughs> to try and keep up with it. I'm used to, you know, three sentences. And I can, you know, I can critique three sentences, but, a, you know, six-minute no breaks, I mean, that's unheard of, you know. And that's... um that's what you did. You did it countless times this week. Do you think it's bad? Sometimes I wonder if people need that much. I don't know why. I feel like it's maybe a fault of mine, but I feel like if I can't make it through a take and know what I'm talking about throughout the whole and take, feel good about it, I'm upset with myself. Yeah, and yeah, I could tell that. Like if I make, if I start, if I have. Well, the worst was this new bow because yeah. <laughs> that freaking – the worst is when I get products and I'm not able to use them mm -hmm. enough to where I understand it, you know. But I, I just like to run through things top to bottom mm -hmm. without having to, to cut because I feel like if I do that, then it's authentic. And it's one thing if I'm – if I am just rolling through and then – you're putting in clips to help, you know, I guess, solidify things I'm talking about mm -hmm. and show it and give people the visual. It's, and it's, it's essentially add some value to it. It's not taking anything away or cutting or editing or making something, you know, it's just unauthentic. Not so yeah, it's yeah. essentially yeah, it's essentially breaking up monotony, changing clips, and you know, showing you know showing action, which is what I call you know following action. Like if you're talking about a release, you're talking about the arrows, you're talking about the bow. I want to follow that action. You know, instead of having, like we talked about, a talking head the whole time, which um, that's what we know, that's what we've been doing is doing a lot of talking heads. But, you know, that's what I was trying to do is, you know, add some value to that, you know. And But with you talking, um, you just, I don't know how you do it. 
I don't know how, because, I mean, I could sit and talk about filming all day, but not in a way that's not got, uh, let me think about that, I got to think, or, you know, I guess it's because it's, you do it 24-7. Well, I don't talk about things that I don't understand. I don't do things that I'm not good at, so <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that will ask me to endorse a certain product, and I'll look at it, and I'll think about it and then i'll just say this isn't my wheelhouse mm -hmm. i mean this thing functions differently than what i understand well one thing that i i i even we were we were talking about i can't even remember what it was it was one of the products we were talking about and you kept saying something and i was like well i feel like you're trying to i don't remember what i said but essentially i was wanting you to make it sound sexier and you're like, and you, and, and, and you told me, you're like, well, look, you got to remember, this is, you know, coming from me, and I'm not going to church it up if it doesn't need churching up. You know, oh, I'm yeah. going to tell you exactly how it is. And he's like, you know, that's that's what my, you know, my followers expect. And, you know, I respect that a lot because majority of what I do is we're trying to sexy it up somehow. We're trying to make it better than it is. Yeah. You know, and that's something that's... I can appreciate that in a different capacity, though. I mean... In your business, yeah, they're hiring you for creative, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that you're you're trying to – and sometimes you have stuff where – I mean, there are things that people sent me where I just said, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not doing a video on that. Yeah. I mean, companies, even, even Hoyt, they'll have something in that catalog where I'm just like, I don't like – I'm not dealing – I don't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I stick to the things that I understand, but, uh, and I think that's what, I think it has to be that way. It, otherwise it's not, it's not authentic if you, well, that's why live feeds for me are, I just feel like, I feel like someone just let me out. I feel like a hound dog that gets let out of his cage when you put me on a live feed. Cause yeah. I'm like, I know that I'm in my wheelhouse right now and mm -hmm. there's, you know, pressure's on. Yeah. And I, I like a little bit, I mm -hmm. mean, having, knowing that people are watching it, you know, that's what makes me bear down. I've always struggled with, I've always struggled with being able to practice with the same intensity as when it, something's on the line. Well, you, it, it's, a, I mean, up until I guess something like a live feed or being in front of an audience, I mean, when you practice, there was no other way to replicate that unless you had that inside of you. Yeah. To, you know, to, you know, to bring yourself to that level. I was talking to Harry on the way over here, you know, about um, him running and uh, how I've been following, you know, some of these ultra runners and um, how I, when I was playing baseball in college, you know, how I, I told him about, you know, following that Courtney DeWalter and about how she's just running and she's got the switch in her head. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, I always watched. I hated him because he played for the Yankees. Um Roger Clemens, you yeah. know, he had that switch in his head where he could go to a, you know, to be a bulldog. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't feel like I ever had that. You know, I didn't have that in me to, you know, I had the ability, but I never had that switch to where I could turn that on to myself. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, it's kind of the same thing you're saying. You either have to have that internal switch or you've got to have a mechanism like the live feed to yeah. put that pressure on yourself. There's different ones too. I mean, I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever had just this killer instinct. I'm not mad enough. I don't guess I'm not. I don't hate enough people. I guess. Well, there's times where I really want it, and for whatever reason, I always, 
had the most intensity during team like my intensity during team rounds were equal to my intensity in the hunting field because when uh, when i knew what my performance did had an influence on the outcome of my teammates who may or may not have worked just as hard i was sitting there thinking if this guy's worked harder than me and he's not rewarded because of because of my mistake like i i wouldn't be able to take that Mm -hmm. Uh, you know so i would always elevate to like level 10 when i was doing it for teammates or for a friend or something like that um which is similar to when i'm in the live feed but part of my feeling in competition was i never really i didn't never really cared if i won i mean i did once I did a few times, I was over it because I just realized next weekend everyone forgets who won last weekend. Mm-hmm. I realized that the possessions and the positions, those just fade. They tarnish. It doesn't matter. But how I feel inside, if I mastered a course or if I beat a PB or if I realized my game was elevated, that was a different feeling, but it was like an internal feeling that I liked. But the whole basis of why I always competed was just to be way better as a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. And I think once you once you learn to control yourself in a hunting situation, especially some of the ones that, that I've had to with, you know, a brown bear or a grizzly bear with my mouth or, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, the list goes on and on. I mean sitting there standing at full draw with an elk staring at you for 10 minutes and you got to make a shot or a long bomb I've made on something. Once you've controlled yourself in those elements, honestly, going to a practice field seems very like it's hard. It's almost a different type of mentality to make yourself practice because the intensity level is so low. You know, in a way, it's just, it's like a decompression that's just really hard to force yourself to live with. But that is why you have to, that's that's why the importance of going to a tournament and putting yourself in those acclimates and, you know, because you climatize yourself. Yeah. You go and shoot for a medal or if you're shooting for, you know, money for the first time or you go into these head-to-heads with your buddy and you guys are, you know, you're really not wanting to lose to them and you you know you go into those situations where you can feel your heart start pounding and you know maybe at the end you realize shit i never even took a breath for like minutes Mm -hmm. i was just like choking myself because my my throat was so lumped up learning to deal with those like that's the reason why i did it was Mm -hmm. because i wanted to be able to control that during a hunting situation but i think once you've done that enough times when you're not in that type of intensity, sometimes it's really hard to deal with it. It's, you know, it's monotonous. It's kind of boring. I've kind of got a, almost a different perspective on that because I've been in a a lot of those moments, but not behind a bow. I've been behind a camera a lot and I've, you know, filmed, you know, a bunch of hunts and a bunch of successful hunts and a bunch of unsuccessful hunts. And I can, I can keep my cool, perfectly when I'm behind the camera. I can keep myself within that producer role. 
making sure I'm getting the shots I need, you know, making sure I'm producing the content like it needs to happen, you know, making sure I'm communicating with my hunter, and that, obviously that falls apart sometimes. Um, but, you know, in the you know last couple of years since I've not worked for Sub-7, I got to hunt a lot for myself. Um, being behind the bow a good bit more, not a lot more, not near as much as you and some others, but I don't hold it together near as well when I'm behind the bow. Do you know why? Uh, no, it's right I guess in front of you. Yeah, well, prob well, probably so. Yeah, but like I know, I know for a fact, like a lot of the shots that I've made, especially like when I was in Africa, I really tried to calm myself down and talk myself through them. And then the, the deer I killed in Oklahoma, I did a really good job of taking my time. But ones before that. I don't remember taking the shot. I don't yeah. remember. I black out. And it's <laughs> and it's one of those things to where behind the camera, I don't ever get jacked up until after I know the animal's done and gone and, you know, whatever's happens happened and I've got my footage or we didn't kill. I never get the least bit flustered until after. Mm -hmm. well, but beforehand, I fall. I mean, I'm the first one to say and admit, I mean, I've, I've fell, fallen apart. Like, I lost my deer in Iowa 2014. I made a terrible shot because I rushed it. You know, I just, I was like, it was the first opportunity I'd gotten. He was acting spooky. He was going to get out of there. I rushed my shot, made a bad shot, never found him. You know? This is a really good lesson because what's causing that is you're, there's two things. One, when you're running camera, you know, you're doing it. You're doing what you do on the same level as what I do when I shoot archery. And when you're doing that at your level, you're focusing on a process mm -hmm. and you're fully occupying yeah. your conscious thoughts on, I mean, you're not running through those switches and, you know, controlling that focus on a subconscious manner. Yeah. I mean, you are, you are consciously, you know, changing exposure, you know, running that spoke, the focus, you know, running your zoom trying to frame in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're probably thinking about not making any noise, also looking at what's around you, making sure, you know, you're communicating with yeah. your hunter. So your conscious thought is so occupied that you're not allowing it to trigger this fight or flight, you know, sensor. Yeah. And that's what's, when you just go into a blackout mode, that's what happens. Mm. You've, you've flipped that switch to where once you're in that fight or flight, you know, pff, shit, anything can happen. Yeah. And I don't think you, honestly, I don't think you have, you've had the training or the time to shoot at a level. And I shouldn't say at a level, but shoot with this specific purpose. That mm -hmm. would be a better way to put it. Once you learn to shoot with a purpose to where you're so focused on a process you don't, uh, you know, you, your conscious thought is fully occupied with every single thing that you're doing. And as a hunter, I'm the same way. I mean, I don't, I don't give myself, I'm more like, well, I don't give myself the opportunity to, to get nervous and make mistakes. Normally, if, if it happens in a rare occasion, it's, if I'm just sitting somewhere and I'm watching something in a food plot for a long time and it's like coming and coming and coming and it almost gets to the point where it's like, you know, I haven't drawn focus. But normally if you understand that process and you're focusing on every single tedious thing that you're doing with your with your bow and your shot and with your technique and your, 
you know, you're almost anal about how perfect you want this shot to yeah. be. That's what's happening when you, you know, you're occupying every single drop of your conscious thoughts and you don't, that's when that, that shot hits and then you turn and just, there's this immediate dump of, oh my God, yeah. we're, you know, this whole just bucket load of emotion and yeah. adrenaline piles in, but it wasn't there before. I mean, that's what happens. And you got to find that, that changeover. You got to be able to, to literally do that, that same thing. And one thing that you could do, um, and this will be tough for you just because the quality is probably not going to be to your standard, but Don't I say self film. Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I feel really fortunate for how many animals I've self-filmed. Yeah. And it's the hardest. Oh my God, it's so hard. Well, I credit a lot of the things that I've shot with the fact that the way my brain works, I mean, even right now, as much as I'm telling myself, look at Caleb, look at Caleb. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, I've read every single word behind you a couple <laughs> times. I've looked at my glass. I mean, I've looked at my phone. I've like counted through the bows on the wall. Like <laughs> all this is going on. Um, and that's just how my brain works. I don't necessarily like it. But Squirrel. Yeah. But that's how it's happening. Yeah. I think when I film myself, because I'm literally trying to look at the animal, know when I can make my shot, make sure my bow's set and everything. And then I'm looking over my shoulder I'm literally running camera, picking my lane, finding that spot, you know, making sure I'm in focus. Look, I mean, I, my mind is doing three yeah. things at one time. You're going through a, you know, you're going through a process again. Yeah. 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 And, yeah then, and you're having to keep yourself in check on two different levels. Yeah. And you can even hear it a lot of times if you watch those self films. I mean, it's not like I'm sitting there breathing heavy because I've been with people where, you know, you're just thinking this person's going to hyperventilate. Oh, yeah. And... I'm cool as a cucumber and make the shot. And then all of a sudden I turn the camera and just instantly, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything just piles in at yeah. one time. So it might make a difference for you. I mean, there's obviously a fine line between missing an opportunity because yeah. you're jacking around. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be hard for you because you're going to be, want, <laughs> you're going to be wanting flawless, perfect film. Yeah. That's my problem is, and that's in the couple of times that I've been in front of the camera, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I can enjoy the hunting experience because I'm always worried about what the guy behind me is doing, like making sure he's getting everything right, making sure that things are in focus, you know, I, I do too, audio's man. there, you know, and, I, and I'm constantly like looking over my shoulder, like making sure that, you know, is he getting that shot? Is he getting that shot? And reminding it's totally him. totally natural. Yeah. Oh, it drives me crazy. I've said this so many times when I'm on a hunt and I end up, you know, I know people know that I'm on a hunt or doing something and I have to just tell people, listen, I still love being by myself and doing this and when i have no offense to you but when i do have camera people with me it's almost like i'm as worried about them and yeah. i'm thinking like i don't want to have to go through all this and it's not e not even any good mm -hmm. you know um that it almost takes the fun away again oh yeah and, no and i can it, totally understand know, that Self-film, there's just that fine line of just being able to tell yourself, okay, I know I have limitations on, you know, I'm not going to be following full frame that deer all the way in. Yeah. And then, 
you know framing it perfectly and making a shot unless you're hunting over a feeder yeah you know but spot and stock situations those are just i don't know i just i really like that we talked about that too the amount of people that really focus on super awesome perfectly clean content and then there's this whole new crowd right now that's getting just well could be more exposure and views just literally letting it happen how it really happens keeping it real yeah and that's me i mean i think for what we did here production grade stuff on educational pieces it has its place at least for me Mm -hmm. in the hunting world you know i just i don't know if i'll ever really get into doing like full films just because I don't know that extra two days you spend doing yeah. all that stuff. I would have, I would have rather been in my truck and getting up the next morning in a new state and trying to wax or something being home else. and spending time with family. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And see, I'm kind of in the middle. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but I was the guy a couple, you know, two three years ago when you know the web stuff really took hold and TV started, you know, its downward spiral, which is continuing on right now. I was the guy that said five to seven minutes. That's what content needs to be. And I always equated it to um, when somebody's in the bathroom taking a crap, that they can watch it on their phone. Like that's mm-hmm. what I equated quality content to. And I wanted it to be cinematic and I wanted it to be hard-hitting and fast and upbeat and well-produced. And That's what I thought all content needed to be. You know, essentially the Instagram type thing where it's one minute here or, you know, slide a couple of pictures or whatever it is. But... You know, and the Born and Raised thing came out with Land of the Free this year, and it was just like we said. It was real and raw, and not no fancy editing, no fancy shooting, all handheld stuff. And uh, they did uh, 50 straight days of elk hunting, and they had a day of a day of uh, a day video for all 50 days, starting I think it was November the first or something. And I was thinking to myself. There's no way this is going to do well because they're really long. There's no fancy anything. You know, they're not, they didn't really take a a lot of time in shooting them or producing them. It was just whoever had the camera at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And their viewership went up the longer they were and the further you got along in the series. And there is absolute value in that that I didn't see. Now, is it my cup of tea? No, it's not. I like a well produced well shot, well thought out, well told story. But that's my world. You know, that's that's what I've done for a long time is, you know, produce television and web content. But I absolutely see value and I see why people like that. Um, and I see why people follow that. But I think there's I think there's a great way to mix the two as well. You know, kind of like what yeah. you've talked about. I think there's a happy medium that can be achieved. Um, what you know, What is that? What exactly does that look like? I'm not sure yet. Well, it'd be equivalent to the amount of people that go to an archery shop on a Saturday and never shot, and they, you know, a ton of people go and they're all just shooting bows with the wrong trawlings and whisker biscuits. But there's a lot of people there. But that's just what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I look at it and I'm like, ah, let's teach them the right way to begin with. You know, let's do it. Let's do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, but. That's kind of like what you're experiencing. There's a lot of volume there, but you're also looking at it saying, man, it would sure be nice to do that. Yeah, yeah. Right, because it would be really cool. But, yeah, God forbid the – well, I say that. We just did a 23-minute 
is it 23 minutes power max video yeah i think so total it, yeah total with a with a build though so yeah. i mean that's with a full assemble so that's pretty good but man yesterday when we went to breakfast that guy that was on the dumper <laughs> i was doing the i don't know where you're going i'm yeah. like what are you talking about <laughs> i don't know i i was doing the i had i was literally doing the green apple the quick step yeah the butt <laughs> squeeze shuffle <laughs> to the bathroom and go in there and i just see these shoes under the stall and i'm like oh man come <laughs> on please let me hear that toilet roll spinning and I could see the light off his phone, like, through the little crack. I could see his hand out, and he was look, watching something with his phone. That sucker had to have been watching one of those freaking one-hour deals because, I mean, <laughs> I was sitting there trying to figure out a way, way to, like, I don't know. Pull the fire alarm, get him out of there. I was going to try to do a frog <laughs> squat in the urinal or something. <laughs> I was trying to get creative. <laughs> <sighs> And, uh, yeah, if I could add, like, a Wi-Fi scrambler to just <laughs> shut that guy down, <laughs> that is super poor etiquette, by the way. If, if any of the knock-on nation is out there hogging stall time <laughs> <laughs> while someone's obviously pacing back and forth. Just after they had their morning coffee, you can't yeah, be doing that. Yeah, I can tell you right now, four eggs over easy and some of that Lola's hot sauce. <laughs> That they got and and a, and a cup of coffee. Yeah, I had knocked and loaded. I was not, like, I was. You were knocked and loaded. I was knocked and ready to freaking rock. And this guy oh, was, God. was literally clogging all opportunity. So, well, I think that's a perfect way to end. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, what are you going to talk about after that? Yeah, no kidding. It's getting late. Um, so we'll get this podcast out there for everybody. And, uh, oh, I forgot to say, this podcast is brought to you by all of you, the Knock On Nation. Thanks for supporting everything that I do. And, um, yeah, your support and you guys just being there and supporting everything with the store and all that that's that's what pays for cool people like caleb to come in so um thank you for that appreciate the heck out of you and we'll check you later see you everybody be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com <laughs>